Sign up to The Economist for in-depth curated expert analysis of world events and topics ranging from business and culture to science and technology. You'll get the weekly digital edition, online-only articles, curated newsletters on politics, the markets, science, culture and China, and full access to The Economist Podcast Plus. The Economist is independent journalism for independent thinking. Go to economist.com and get your first month free. If you're struggling to lose weight, you've probably heard about weight loss medications like Wigovi or ZepBound, and you might be wondering if they're right for you. Meet Plush Care, a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. If you qualify, they can safely prescribe you medication from the comfort of your own home. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I saw a stat yesterday that I think may be the single most insightful, disturbing stat about the current state of America. I want to share it with you. I want to unpack and explain it. It's about, in some ways, it's about the intersection of the coronavirus pandemic and mass incarceration and police brutality and what they all have to do with one another. I can't wait to share it with you. It it was a light bulb moment for me that gave me deep insight into why we are where we are right now as a country. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The, the, the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. The, 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 the Breakdown. Yesterday, I heard a stat that I thought I misunderstood. When I first heard it, it was a stat that I have heard now for years and years. I've actually quoted the stat here on the podcast. You've probably heard it all over the country. It's one of the most familiar stats you could ever share on mass incarceration. And the stat was that the United States is 4% of the world's population but nearly 25% of the world's uh, prison population. And I've shared that stat, and it, it varies a little bit. Sometimes people say it's 23% or 24%. It's about 25%. And, and that's a horrible stat. You, you ideally, ideally, it would at least be representative. If you are 4% of the world's population, you would also have 4% of the world's uh, jail and prison population. I mean, obviously, you, you know, in a dream world, it would be less than your, you know, than your representative population. But I heard the stat that the United States was 4% of the world's population, but 25%. And, and then I was like, hold on, I think I misunderstood what I just heard. I had the news on, but I wasn't watching it. And what they said was that the United States is 4% of the world's population. Okay, I understand that. That's clear. But 25% of the world's coronavirus population. And when I first heard it, that 4% and 25%, my mind, my like the, the radar on my mind that's always listening for something about mass incarceration thought I had just heard a stat about mass incarceration. And what I realized in that moment is that the stat for mass incarceration is the exact same stat for the coronavirus pandemic, and both, in many ways, are getting worse. 
that the United States is 4% of the world's population, but holds nearly 25% of the world's prison and jail population. And the United States is 4% of the population and holds 25% of the world's coronavirus cases. Just as with the United States jail and prison population, in an ideal scenario, if you are 4% of the world's population, you would have 4% of the world's coronavirus cases. But this is the United States. And we're not 4% of the world's population and 8% of the coronavirus cases or 10% or 15% or 20%, any of which would be ridiculous and would show a system's failure. That's what that number exposes. But we're 25%, a full quarter of the world's coronavirus cases, one in four people in the world. It's an enormous world. The world has 8 billion people, yet a full 25% of the coronavirus cases are in the United States alone. It should be nowhere near that. If you do the math, it should be exponentially smaller. And what it reveals in so many ways that we are 25% of the world's jail and prison population and 25% of the coronavirus cases, and both of those numbers aren't getting any better anytime soon, it's not because uh, we have bad luck. (laughs) It's not because uh, some things just happen. It's not because it's, it's fate or destiny. It's a national systems failure, plain and simple. What we are witnessing is a systems failure. We live in a country that does not truly value the safety, the health, the well-being, the peace, the equality, the, the, the equal access to resources. We live in a country that does not value its people. That's why we have 25% of the world's jail population when we're only a tiny 4% of the world's population. That's why we can't flatten the curve. We just can't. We won't flatten it. We could, but we literally don't have the two things required to do it, the systems and the personnel. And I want to talk about systems and personnel just for a moment, because it's very easy and not incorrect. It's very easy to blame the systems for failing. Mass incarceration is a horrible, horrible blight on our country. And it is a systemic inequality. It is. It's it's systemic racism. It's systemic oppression. It is a systemic problem, but systems, listen to me, are managed, created, imagined, advanced by people, by personnel. And the United States not only has a systems problem with the coronavirus, our systems are failing. We are the only developed country in the world that doesn't have universal health care. Most of our peer nations around the world are providing checks for $3,000 a month until the end of the pandemic. But the United States is still figuring out how to cut benefits to people who need them. And so here we are, day after day after day. I think we are now back at our 
sixth day in a row where over a thousand people are dying a day. We've already been here. It seemed like we got over it and we're back again. Literally the only country that came close to doing better and then the bottom fell out again. Cities are shutting down again, maybe even your city. The fear is rising again. But now we're talking about the need to send our kids to school. And listen, that's a complicated conversation because many kids do need to go to school. Their parents are working out of the house. And in essence, what you get is the poorer a family is, the more working class a family is, the more likely that a a mother or a father has to go work in retail or some service job, the, the higher the likelihood is that that child needs to be able to go to school somewhere. Their parents are at work. What are they supposed to do? And so now that we are damn nearly seven, seven plus months into the pandemic, it's time for school to start. People's parents are at work and the pandemic is in a full rage. Again, this country has a systems problem and a personnel problem. That is to say, if you begin to put better personnel in place, better governors, better presidents, uh, better people running uh, the country. So if you elect Joe Biden, if you replace the governor of, of Georgia and Florida and Texas, but you still have the same, pardon my French, shitty systems in place where you still don't have universal health care, like, again, every developed country in the world where people are afraid to go to the doctor because they can't afford it and they don't want the bill in the mail. When you, when you don't provide universal college education, which, again, most developed countries around the world do so, that they don't just pay for K through 12, they pay, through K, they pay for K through 16. That's the, that's the difference. They've just tacked four years onto it, and many countries continue to pay for college education for as long as someone wants to be educated. Why? Because it really benefits a country to have smart, educated citizens. And so all of a sudden, if you change the personnel but don't change the systems, guess what? Mass incarceration remains. Pandemics remain. Or if you try to change the systems but leave the same personnel in place, you still don't get change. And so we are in a position where if we want deep systemic change, we have to focus, yes, on voting, on changing the personnel, changing the people running the system. But we have to have the personnel change going side by side with the systemic change. Are you listening? Do you understand what I'm saying? We need systemic change, and that is not just a personnel change. The systems themselves, the systems and structures of mass incarceration, the systems of not health, but we have basically sickness systems that only only care about you when you are sick, and even then, the prospect of having to cover so much cost really discourages people from even going to the doctor in the first place. So we have to, we have to change the personnel. 
but we have to be just as deeply committed to actually changing the people running the systems. Listen, I've got to run. I appreciate you. I just wanted to to highlight this stat that the United States is 4% of the world's population, but both 25% of the jail and prison population and 25% of the coronavirus cases. That's not an accident. It's the same systemic failures and the same people running both systems. It's not ironic. It is, again, I say it all the time, this system is not an accident. It was built on purpose. The systems and structures of mass incarceration and our systems, uh, not of health care, but really the health insurance industry, the, the, the sickness industry, it's, it's all built with profits in mind and not people and their wellness. Just think through it. Our systems are failing, but our personnel, our people uh, in charge are failing as well. Got to run. Love and appreciate each of you. Listen, we now have just eight days left until my brand new book, Make Change, comes out. And you can go right now to makechangebook.com to purchase it. We're trying to get to 10,000 pre-orders I think we're at 8,500 or somewhere in that ballpark right now. Thank all 8,500 of you who have pre-ordered it at makechangebook.com. Also, if you're not yet a member of the North Star, you can go to thenorthstar.com or you can support this podcast and The Breakdown Live at patreon.com slash The Breakdown. We need your support. Thank each and every one of you. Again, love and appreciate you all. Take care, everybody. Hey, my name is Brandon Janice, and I'm the host of Sick Empire, a brand new podcast brought to you by the North Star. On Sick Empire, I interview New Yorkers who, in different ways, fight on the front lines for change in the city during the coronavirus pandemic. Please listen to hear a unique mix of stories from essential workers, small business owners, artists, and elected officials who are all experiencing the chaos of COVID in their own ways. Listen to Sick Empire on all streaming platforms. And you can support the show and any of our other podcasts by heading over to thenorthstar.com and becoming a member. Sick Empire. Sick Empire. Get down.